Good morning, new community. Um, it is good to be with you in this COVID necessitated virtual way. Um, and I wanna say hi, hi, hi. I love you so much to all my, my OG new community folk. You know if you're an OG, if you remember me when most of my hair was black. Um, but I know there are a good number of you who are looking at your screen right now and thinking, oh, this woman, she looks like, she looks so familiar, but I can't place her. So for you, <laughs> Um, my name is Michelle Dodson. I'm the associate pastor over in Bronzeville at New Community. Um, and I'm also one of the founding members of this church. I served here for many years. I served um, as a teaching pastor of sorts. I did my pastoral internship in my seminary days here. Um, and so it, when I stand in this place now, it feels good uh, to be here. We have come a long way. So the church that you all helped to plant is now 10 years old in Bronzeville. That's insane. Um, Daniel Laspada, our, our liaison to the LSNA, is now Alderman Laspada. That is insane. <laughs> and, and here, you are now worshiping in this beautiful building that is a far cry from the movie theater back in the day. We have come a long way and many amazing things have happened. Many amazing things have changed, but what has not changed is the heart of who we are. So the vision that Pastor Peter shared with me so many years ago when I was still a student at North Park of this multiracial church that would have a heart for racial justice and racial righteousness, that vision is still alive and well. It's the core of the, in, in our DNA, it's who we are. It's who we are here in Logan Square, it's who we are in Bronzeville. That has been unchanging. And so it feels right and appropriate and good for me to be here talking to you in this time when our nation, once again, is being smacked in the face with the reality of racial injustice. Um, it feels right and good and important. And so I am happy to be here with you. So this morning, um, thinking of that, I'm gonna be preaching from a message entitled, The Reason for Our Unity. Now, if you have ever heard me preach, you know I am not good with titles, so, you know, just go ahead and forgive me, forgive me for that. But we're gonna look at Psalm 133, um, and I'm also gonna read for you 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verses one to nine. Um, and now I know that this is a virtual service and you are probably watching this from the comfort of your bed or couch in pajamas, but I am still going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. Uh, amen. Amen. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and get right into the text. So beginning with verse one of Psalm uh, 133, it reads, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Some translations say dwell together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And then now turning to 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verses 1 to 9, it reads, All Israel came together, to David at Hebron and said, we are your own flesh and blood. In the past, even while Saul was king, you were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. And the Lord your God said to you, you will shepherd my people Israel and you will become their ruler. 
When all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, he made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. They, and they anointed David king over Israel, as the Lord had promised through Samuel. David and all the Israelites marched into Jerusalem, that is uh, Jabus, and the Jebusites who lived there said to David, you will not get in here. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, which is the city of David. David had said, whoever leads the attack on the Jebusites will become commander in chief. Joab, son of uh, Zariah, went up first and said, and so he received the command. David then took up residence in the fortress, and so it was called the city of David. He built up the city around it from the terrace to the surrounding wall, while Joab restored the rest of the city. And David became more and more powerful because the Lord Almighty was with him. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God, amen. So Psalm 133 is one of my favorite Psalms. Um, on most Sundays over in Bronzeville, when I'm not preaching, um, I do the call to worship. And, uh, and this Psalm is a part of it. So my call to worship is, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I was glad when they said unto me, let us come into the house of the Lord because it is good and it is pleasant when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. This psalm has always served for me as a reminder of why I have spent the last 20 years, and it hurts me to say it, but 20 years of ministry in a multiracial context. It is good and it is pleasant when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. And that <laughs> brothers and sisters should not be taken for granted. I say this at our church and I say it here in this church because we are an unusual group of brothers and sisters dwelling together in unity. There are people in this world who I call brother. There are people who I call sister, who my 17 year old black nationalist self would never have been able to imagine being in relationship with. It is good and it is pleasant. This psalm is part of a group of 15 psalms called uh, the Psalms of Ascension or the Song of Ascent. Um, and it's believed that these were, were psalms. It's Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. These would have been psalms or songs that people literally sang, sang pilgrims, worshipers sang as they were getting to the last leg of their journey to Jerusalem and they were heading uphill to the temple to worship. And so these songs were, were things that they sang to, to encourage them, to spur them on, to remind them of who they are and what they were coming to do. These were also songs that perhaps were sung by priests as they were making their way up that same hill to the temple to serve and worship. So this is important because it sets the stage for the type of fellowship that this passage is talking about. It's not a general statement about just communal living. It's great when people, you know, get together and, and, and no, it's not that. This song declares the goodness of worshipers having been called together by God, a people made a people by their Lord going to worship that God. That is powerful. And the imagery in this passage is rich. 
There's a, a short and sweet text. It's three verses, but there's a lot here. So it tells us that, that this, this unity that is found among these worshipers is like precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. So there's two images that this language conjures up. The first is a reference to hospitality, right? When people um, came into your home during this time, the first thing you would do was wash their feet. You know, you walking around in sandals on a dirt road, you're gonna have dusty, dirty feet. So you washed people's feet and then you would anoint their heads with oil. Oil was seen as having healing properties. And so this was, these were rituals of hospitality meant to help somebody refresh from their, um, from their travels on the road. And so this language of oil on the head would have conjured up this image of hospitality, but not just hospitality, a lavish, radical, generous hospitality. It's oil pouring down. You know, oil was expensive. You didn't just go dousing people in oil. Um, so this idea of an abundance of oil on the head. And that also points to yet another image. And that's this priestly anointing that would happen. Um, we sometimes in certain church will talk about the anointing of God. We sing worship songs about the anointing of God falling down on us. Well, this is a reference to the Old Testament practice of literally pouring oil all over, drenching those who were called to be priests and to, who were going to be serving in the temple. And that's the reference that we see, this oil running down the beard of Aaron. This is powerful. So this abundance, this lavishness, this anointing. It is reminding people of who they are and what they are called to do. Why is this important? I hope wherever you are listening, that is getting you a little bit excited as you think about the, the idea of community. It's good. This is describing a body of believers, a people who were not a people, who were made a people. Like, it's good. It's got all the good stuff, the warm, touchy-feely, warm, fuzzy stuff. But that's not all there is to this text. So last year, um, in reading my, I, I like to read through the Bible every year, and I read a chronological Bible. And so last year in my reading, which was my first time reading through the chronological Bible. Um, I'm going through and I'm, I'm reading different texts. You're in the Old Testament and it bops all over the place. The Bible's all out of order because it's trying to go in order, you know, inconvenient. But as I'm reading, I come across this psalm. And reading this psalm in the context of um, what came before it completely changed my understanding of this passage. I've always loved it because it speaks to me in multiracial spaces, right? That's where I find myself in it. But it points to something that's a little bit more difficult, that also excites me, but it scares a lot of us. And that's what we're gonna focus today. So in First Chronicles, um, the passage that I read, it's easy to hear that and think, well, this sounds like it's in, you know, about the same accord. Psalm 133 is talking about unity. First Chronicles chapter 11 begins with saying all of Israel was united to support David, right? We see this image of people coming and, and declaring that he is king. But there's so much more that's happening here. In 2 Samuel, we learn that after Saul's death, things were in utter chaos. These were not a unified people. Even while Saul was king, um, what was going on under him was some chaos. David had been um, anointed king. He had been called to be king by Samuel, and 
Saul said, no, I don't like that idea. I want to continue to be king. And so he literally pursued David for years trying to kill him and had this sort of schizophrenic rule where he would pursue him and try to kill him and then repent because he tried to kill him and then try to kill him again. It was this crazy back and forth and he was not a great king. And eventually the Philistines came in and Saul finds himself with his sons on the run and he's killed. And his sons, almost all of them are killed except for one son, his last son, who is anointed as king over Israel. This was a divided people. There were some who supported Saul's son as king. The southern kingdom supported him and the others, the northern kingdom said, no, we're gonna go and support David. This was not a unified people. And so when we read in 1 Chronicles that all Israel came to David, we need to understand that not all Israel came to David. There were representatives from all of Israel, and that should not be taken for granted. When I was reading in my chronological Bible, Psalm 133 came after 1 Chronicles chapter 11. And as that chapter continues, it starts to list all the fighting men from the various tribes who can't come to align themselves with not just David, but with God's purpose, with God's plan, with God's sovereign will. They came to align themselves with that to say, we will stand with David. We stand with David because you are the warrior who won all those campaigns. We stand with David because you are our flesh and our blood. We stand with David first and foremost, because the Lord said that you are king. This was a group of people who came from tribes all over the place, some from even the house of Saul, who came together to say, we will align ourselves with the will and the purpose of God in the earth. That is good news. That is a powerful word. And so you can imagine my little old self and my devotion time when I got to finish reading Psalm 11 and I'm seeing the context and I've been reading all the things that have come before. And then I get to my favorite Psalm, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. This is not a unity that just makes you feel warm and fuzzy. This is not a unity that is great for pictures because, oh my goodness, how diversity looks so great. No, this is a unity that was hard won as people came together and said, despite the chaos that's going on in this world, despite what's happening all around us, we are aligning ourselves with what God has called us to do. And so now we have come together. How good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in a unity that is purposeful, in a unity that was designed by God, in a unity that is intended to be a, a, a march, a battle, not just warm fuzzies. This isn't kumbaya. So when I read this psalm in that context, what stood out to me is that this is a unity that calls us to be on our faces, discerning what God's will is, rejoicing in what God's will is, and delighting in the fact that we've been called to be agents of change. So we're in a time in our nation that is extremely divided. And one of the things that I have heard many times from my white and Asian brothers and sisters is, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. How, how am I to be in this space? 
So there's two things that are important about that. The first thing that happens for me when I hear that question, well, the first thing that happens for me when I hear that question is I get annoyed. I'm gonna go ahead and be honest with you. I get a little annoyed, but I very quickly, because the Holy Spirit is good, um, I get encouraged because the only reason why these men and these women who have said this to me are saying this to me, in my case, this isn't always true, but these are my brothers and sisters. I don't use that language flippantly. These are people who I'm in relationship with. And so the Holy Spirit reminds me of that unity <laughs> that I've been called into. And then the second thing that almost always comes to mind is my other favorite verse, or one of my other favorite verses, and that's Micah 68. And I have shown you, O oh mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So if you find yourself today in the category of people saying, I just don't know what to do, he has shown you, O oh mortal, what is good. If you call this your church home, or maybe you don't call this your church home. Maybe you're watching this and you just think that this is a cool church and you've heard some great sermons. And I know you've already heard some stuff that will convict you and challenge you around race and justice and diversity. If this is speaking to you, if God has called you into this place, then you have been called to discern what God is doing in the earth. We serve a God who is a God of justice. If you wanna know what to do, you can look to scripture and say, God, where is your heart? God is always with those who are oppressed. He is always with those who are the least of these. And so if you want to know what to do, be with the least of these. Look to where there is injustice and you align yourself with the people who are fighting to oppose it. And know that you don't do it in your own strength. You do this as a people who has been made a people by God. You do this as a people who has been called together, drawn together, because we serve a God who is good and whose heart is for all people. It is good and it is pleasant when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity because we have been called to be ambassadors of Christ, co-laborers with him in a broken world that desperately needs to see people who look like me and like you doing the work of the gospel. That's why it is good. That's why it is pleasant. And here's something we need to understand about this unity. The unity that is talked about in this psalm. The unity that these men and women would have been singing about as they made their way to the temple to worship, this is not um, a surface unity. This is not a multicolored space. This is not a, a unity that is only held together by the fact that we don't talk about hard things. This is not a unity that is only held together by the fact that um, I have to monitor my tone so as not to offend you. This is not a unity that is afraid to ask hard questions. This is a unity that is rooted in the truth that God united. God said it is so. God brought it together. And so we don't have to be afraid of the hard, ugly, icky, difficult things. No, we lean in. We lean in because this is a unity that is forged in Christ Jesus. And it is a unity that can only be possible if you and I continue to lean into our Father, to discern what is his good and his perfect will, and to find those places where injustice is ruling in the earth or seems to be ruling in the earth and say to our enemy, no, in the name of Jesus, no, because we've been given that authority that is activated when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. 
And so, if you take nothing else away from this moment, for those of you, um, and I wanna speak specifically to um, black folk and to um, Latino folk who are often in these times tired and frustrated and broken, um, to you I wanna say, you need to rest. And you absolutely get to say to your brothers and your sisters, to your white and Asian brothers and sisters who may not fully understand, who may be doing their very best to understand, you get to say to them, I, the way you can support me right now is let me rest, go read a book. You get to say that. I'm gonna go, I give you all permission to do that. And for my, my white and my Asian brothers and sisters who want to do the right thing, who are doing the right thing, who are called to this and are committed to this, I wanna encourage you to stay in it and to know this. You don't do it because it feels good. You don't do it because um, it sounds good. You do it because you've been called into it. And we can all praise God that we have been called into a community where we can be held accountable by people who are hurting, by people who have hurt, by people who are confused, by people who are learning, by people who are tired, by people who are just starting. We are held accountable to all of those brothers and sisters and we work out our salvation in fear and in trembling. So I pray that, um, <laughs> that you are encouraged today because Christ has already won this battle and you have been given everything you need to be victorious and you get to do battle with some amazing people who God has put you in relationship with for such a time as this. So I'm gonna pray for us. Um, and I'm gonna pray, um, I'm gonna pray for healing over our nation and our, and our city. Um, but I also wanna pray especially for, for this community um, because I can imagine that in this time, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of woundedness and brokenness and there's space where there needs to be healing, but also space where there needs to be, um, unity. And so that, that continued unity, let me say that. So I want to, I want to, I want to pray, um, I want to pray for those things. So Father, I, I thank you. Um, huh, I thank you because you are good. You are good and you have called us into good things. <laughs> you, oh God, exist in community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you, oh God, exist in fellowship with yourself and you have called us into fellowship with you and to fellowship with the, each other and that is good. And God, we have often taken that for granted. Lord, you see your church, you know your church. There are parts of your body that have been very content to be separate. There are parts of your body that have been very content to be um, ignorant. And Lord, in this time when there is so much brokenness, I am praying that you would continue to raise up the church to be your light, to be um, your hands and your feet. I pray that you would continue to raise up the church to bear your image and to show this broken and hurting world that we serve a God who is just, that we serve a God who is righteous, that we serve a God who has already torn down the dividing walls. And so God, I am praying that we would be bold. I come against fear in the name of Jesus. 
I come against complacency in the name of Jesus. And even now, Lord, as I am preaching this sermon, even now as um, demonstrations are starting to wane, even now as the news cycle seems like it might be ready to take a turn to something else, God, I am praying that your church would not be content to return to business as usual. I am praying, oh God, that the, that the conviction that you have stirred up, you would continue to stir up and that you would fan into flames a passion for your will, a passion for your justice, a passion for us to be the people you have called us to be. And so Lord, I specifically pray for new community um, here in Logan Square and also in Bronzeville. I thank you, Lord, for this people that you have made a people. And I am asking, oh God, that you would make our bonds even stronger now, that you would strengthen the bonds of love that have united us. God, I am praying that you would, um, Holy Spirit, give us the words as we have those hard conversations. I'm asking, oh God, that you would give us wisdom and discernment about what to say and how to say it. God, I pray for those of us who are tired, that you would show us how to rest in you. I thank you, oh God, that you have given us Sabbath. Lord, I am praying that in this space and in this time, you would teach us to be your church. Teach us, oh God, to lean into you to press into you, to look to you and only to you for our direction and to then move and let our feet be directed by your word. God, I thank you because you are good. I thank you because you have already done it. And I thank you that I can pray this prayer knowing that it is in accordance with your perfect will and with your word. And so I can say hallelujah because the answer is yes and amen. So I thank you for what you will do. And in the same way that I thank you for what you are doing. And I thank you for what you have already done. So be glorified, oh God. Be glorified, oh God. Be the biggest, weightiest, truest thing, oh God, in your church and in this city and in this nation. And it is in the matchless, powerful, mighty name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. Amen. Be blessed, new community.